There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, TalkSport's football correspondent, Alex Crook and Scott Minto, who this week would very much like to be addressed as the former Benfica fullback, <laughs> Scott Minto. Uh, coming up, a pivotal weekend for three managers who are under the cosh. It's a huge weekend at the bottom where there's three points between a bottom place Bournemouth and Leicester in 15. Plus the fallout from the European action as the Reds' rapid response unit goes into full swing and Arsenal suffer a little bit of a setback. Plus, what is really going on at Tottenham? And can Daniel Levy solve all the problems? And Madison takes the wrong avenue at Leicester. It's the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. Hey, Crook, you've lived a bit of a roller coaster life the last few weeks, haven't you? Mate? <laughs> Uh, the last week, I would say, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happier to be speaking to you and, and Mr. Minto, the former Benfica fullback today, than if uh, Scott had been here on Sunday, which I know he was desperate to be. Uh, do you know what, Crookie? First of all, please, and going forward, Mr. Minto is what it is, okay? So keep calling me that, please. Um, secondly, I have to say, Sam, I thought you were superb. I listened back to the podcast Monday and... Um, there's some left hooks, some right hooks, some, you know, over the tops. And then and then as you moved on from that game, just as the show went on, the programme went on, little jabs little here jabs, and there. Just little Very jabs. Uh, but listen, we all love a good human story because we're all, we're all, you know, psychologically, we all like a little bit of warmth in our lives. So let's be honest, last night, we all love seeing what we saw from Veghorst, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, Mrs. Crook was quite cynical about that. She She, she doesn't like sports people showing their emotions so yeah she was quite disparaging but I thought it was great I mean what did she marry you for <laughs> whenever you score a five-a-side goal you make sure you tweet about it stick a video <laughs> up and put yourself up for the push gas award <laughs> uh, but listen it was his first goal at Old Trafford at the Stratford end you can see what it meant to him and I thought as much as his reaction he was pretty much in tears the reaction of his teammates showed just what a popular figure Veghorst has become they appreciate his work rate he isn't going to score 10 goals between now and the end of the season. He probably won't score five goals between now and the end of the season, but let him have his moment. Did, it, did he run over to Anfield, by the way, Sam, and quickly <laughs> touch the sign again? <laughs> Listen, there's a, there's a, there's, I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation from that. Um, Arsenal made some changes last night, Scott. How did that go? Um, not ideal. I, I think they're conceding goals again, aren't they? Um, but he's made lots of changes. And I do think it's going to be very difficult to to try and get both the Europa League and the Premier League. Premier League's the priority, number one, whatever he says. And I think we saw that in the team sheet. And I, I, as you know, I cover the Portuguese league. I think that they'll turn sporting over in the second leg. I think it was one of those where, you know, you don't go a goal down 
and, and take that back home because you never know how well Sporting can defend. But look, they made changes. They didn't lose. It's, it's a one-off tie now playing at home. They'd take yeah, that. Arsenal without Ramsdale, Gabriel, Thomas Partey, Martin Odegaard from the start uh, yesterday. They, they're at the point, aren't they, where sadly that, that they, they can't really handle a game like this without big hitters. It was nice to see Emil Smith-Rowe back out there. I'd forgotten he existed, um, to be honest. He, he has been... He, he played at the weekend. He came on at the weekend and then went back off. But again. he has been the forgotten man, hasn't he, of, of Arsenal's title push, really. Uh, and it's actually it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him in the summer and with Tierney as well, because obviously he's not playing as much as he wants. But uh, I think what it, it proved on Thursday night was that Arsenal's squad depth clearly is not strong enough to compete on multiple fronts. And Scott's right that the priority is the Premier League, which is... Uh, which is music to Manchester United's ears, I think, in that competition. <laughs> OK, let's get to it then, because that's where we're turning our attention now. The weekend's Premier League action. Seven-star Liverpool kicking us off on game day on TalkSport. And is this a start of a charge towards the Champions League for Liverpool? Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. Performance is super important, three points are even more important. The result is just the result. As Bournemouth come forward straight from the off, send the ball into the area, and they've scored within 10 seconds! Oh my goodness! Party time here for the Wolves fans. Wolves 1, Spurs 0, Adama Traore with a quite stunning finish. I think for me now the time has come for Conte to go. We need to have time and patience. Headed down and in. They do have a goal back. And it's Ryan Yates who has given Forrest a route back into this match. The business end of the season with all the games, all the names and all the big moments. Bournemouth against Liverpool is live on TalkSport 12.30. Scott will be there with me uh, for that one. Scott, did, we haven't heard from you yet since uh, Liverpool's last result. Do you want to just go back on that and just uh, reflect? I'm on just going to go and get a coffee. I'll see you in a few minutes. It's the kind of result when they put it in the back pages that they'll have to write seven in letters as well as the number. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought they were world-class. I thought they were up against a side that just couldn't handle them. Look, I, you know, I have to say, eight shots on goal, seven goals... That's clinical. And it was 1-0 at half time. And I said even before last night's game um, that that it was a freak. You know, Liverpool was superb, you have to say, but you don't expect that to happen again. And I think Eric Tenghag was right to pick the same side for the Betis game and said, right, go out and change it. But in terms of Liverpool, look, they've been keeping clean sheets without really, for me, defending particularly well. And United did have some chances there, but they're getting on a bit of a roll now, aren't they? And that 7-0 win... They almost probably want to spread the goals out with other other uh, teams and other matches. But look, they go into this game with so much confidence. And uh, as well as Bournemouth played last week, and they've actually done OK in the last few weeks, despite not picking up points. I can't see anything other than Liverpool. Get to them just a second. Um, in terms of it being a freak or a one-off, a lot of people said that in the aftermath of the game. Um, here's where I stand on it. I don't think either... Um, the idea of it being a one-off or the idea of it being a new era for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool are true. It's not a one-off because they've shown in previous seasons that they are capable of going anywhere and doing this. They, I, mean, they, they, I mean, they've gone to Crystal Palace and ripped them apart. They've gone to Bournemouth, they've ripped them apart. You know, they've, they've, they've got the ability to do that. Not the teams of Manchester United standard. There was a bit of fortune in that too. You've already identified the statistics of it being 7-0, uh, yeah, eight shots on goal. It's not a new era, 
or a new dawn or anything either. It's what happens as a team evolves and the pieces that Jurgen Klopp is reassembling start to click, right? I think it was an anomaly as far as Manchester United are concerned. And again, I, I messaged yeah, you last night this is Liverpool after, we're talking after the game and said, you know, the fact they've bounced back, okay, it's only real Betis, but good character. It just makes Sunday second half all the more inexplicable for me. Are Liverpool capable of putting teams to the sword? Of course they are, because they've got some very good footballers. And I, I was down at Bournemouth actually on uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday speaking to a couple of their players. And I said, you must have been looking at that game and thinking, oh God. Liverpool are back because it's terrible timing for Bournemouth. The fact they've just put seven past Manchester United just makes it that much more difficult. I'd expect Liverpool to win. I think they'll finish fourth. Okay, uh, Scott, because uh, he's the chief football correspondent now, he does a lot of these big uh, sort of uh, special interviews. And ahead of game day this week, uh, Alex Crook has been interviewing the uh, Bournemouth players, getting really in-depth into their psyche and giving us a real exclusive view of what it's like to be a Bournemouth player. Um by playing a game of Mr. and Mrs. with them. <laughs> Box office. Unmissable. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I did wow. uh, I did speak to them about the game. That's going to be going out on... Uh... I didn't know that's your sort of like air interrogation technique. It's like to get two players to play a, an old 80s game show well, you, and see what comes out. Do, do you more. dare well, play do you that know what I was going to say? It went better. <laughs> oh, we it went better, actually, uh, than when I once <laughs> attempted to play it with uh, Mrs. Matterface. Uh, sorry, Mr. Matterface and a former squeeze. <laughs> and he ended up cowering in the bathroom because he'd given the wrong answer in her eyes. <laughs> How to start divorce proceedings. It's true. It's true. That's it. That is a true story. Um, Liverpool got a trip to Madrid coming up next week. Scott, how that, is that going to affect t- uh, the team selection? Well, I think it's going to be really interesting because... They're out. This is Liverpool Football Club, and and you you have to listen. You have to pick your best team. You're going to Madrid. One thing you don't want is another five-two defeat because all that good work of what happened against that that side called Manchester United, you know, will will we'll be put to one side. So he has to. I think he has to just try to keep on winning every game. Look, the next three league games, he's got Man City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. So it's it's a really important time right now for for Liverpool, but. I don't think you can afford to make five or six changes, go to the Bernabeu, lose 4-0, and then expect to pick up again. It doesn't work like that. Not necessarily out, are they? It's only three goals. They've come back from deficits like this before, I think. Well, of course they have, but the the bottom line is I'm saying he's got to be playing his best team. Mm. I don't think... You tell me one person you've spoken to that says they think Liverpool will go through. (laughs) They, They won't go through. Stranger things have happened, but not many, Sam. I don't know. I not don't, many I don't if you know. talk about the amount of games that goes it's on. Liverpool, they just have a habit of doing things like this. And they're not going to win Madrid. by four yeah. in the Bernabeu. Behave yourself. Hold on. Real Madrid just drew nil-nil with Real Betis at the weekend. Well, that'll do. Nil-nil with Liverpool will do. <laughs> yeah, but Liverpool are a little bit better, aren't they? Two-nil. Lost to Liverpool will do. So... Sam, what are you suggesting here? You, you think Liverpool will go through? No, I'm just saying, you, it's very easy to turn around and say, they're out. They are. But they're not out, are they? they are. They're not out. They've shown in the past, Liverpool have come back against Barcelona and, uh, and, and won a game from, from a similar deficit. They can do it. Well, also, don't put any money on it, Sam. I know, but I'm, I'm just saying, saying don't just write them off just because of the score. Not only are they out, you know, it's they're out. out. Is... All right, OK. <laughs> a bit like that T-shirt, no, out, out of no, fashion. Then... Um, Mo Salah Very becoming... Good. They're not out, out. They're not out, out, but they are out. They're out. They're, they're, they're half out. 
Uh, Mo Salah becoming Liverpool's all-time uh, Premier League uh, goalscorer last weekend. He's been in scintillating form recently. He sat down with Stephen Gerrard, actually, uh, last week. And uh, Stevie G said that his son had admitted to him that Salah is the only player he prefers to his dad. Oh, text topic alert. Uh, should we do that? Um, let's make a list of the players we prefer to our dads. That sounds like a little bit of a psychodrama and sounds like the list would be very, very long. My dad always used to sort of make out that he was a fantastic player who could have played uh, at any level. And he constantly tells me, constantly tells me uh, about the hat trick he scored at the Valley. Um, no video footage, funnily enough, exists of this particular moment. Um, Crook. Brilliant. You know what, Sam? My, my dad does the same as well. He, he reckons he was a brilliant left or right winger, both footed. I said, who did you play for? He said, Camelards. Now, <laughs> yes. Who, you know, it goes back to the Milkad. Who are yeah. they? Who's that? Who's that? Uh, Crookie, you said on Monday you think Bournemouth will stay up. Does that mean that they need a result here and can get a result here? Uh, I don't think it means they need a result here. Um, they've got to play five or six of the teams in and around them in the relegation battle. So that's obviously going to determine their season. Can they get a result? If you'd asked me this time last week, I would have said yes. But having seen Liverpool at the weekend, as I say, I think it's going to be very difficult. Adrian Durham will batter me for this because obviously all the signs point to Bournemouth being relegated. And this is little more than a hunch, but I just think Bournemouth have got more spirit than a lot of the teams around them. And I think they're under less pressure in many ways because clearly there's more pressure on West Ham, on Everton, maybe even on Leeds to stay in the Premier League than there is on little old Bournemouth. And I think that might just help in the final running. Well, that's Crook is changing the narrative. Bournemouth average 1.5 points per game against the bottom half sides and 0.3 points per game against the top half sides. Um, Liverpool sit in that top half, I'm afraid, so I think it might be a difficult afternoon for them. Spurs against Forest is live on TalkSport 2. Let's get into Spurs, shall we? I did the game for American and Australian TV this week. Um, the, the match against Milan where they drew nil-nil. Uh, someone explained to me what manager that wants to keep his job brings on a central defender when you desperately need a goal. Not only a central defender, but a central defender who hasn't scored a goal in January, since January 2020 for Dejan Kulisevsky. When you desperately need to save your season with a goal, why would you do that, Scott? Please tell me. First of all, what, you were in America last night, you were Australia I, in, earlier in the I wasn't week, in America. And you were in Bournemouth with me on Saturday. I, 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 my, my voice might have been there, but I wasn't actually there. Your voice. I haven't course, left Manchester for four that, days. That, <laughs> that would have been difficult to do, but you are just a globetrotter, aren't you? Right, so, if only. So Look, I, I, I totally agree with you. Out of the Champions League, out of the FA Cup, um, just fighting for fourth. And to make that substitution, was seven minutes to go plus injury Rackers. time. It, it, it's all or nothing. You just go for it. Forget about tactics. And yes, of course, you're worried about uh, Rafa Leal going out on the counter-attack and that's exactly what he did and he hit the post. But forget it. You might as well lose 2-0 on aggregate as to go out with a whimper that way. And look, I, I've got a lot of respect for Antonio Conte, what he's done, um, not just at Chelsea, but, but elsewhere. But I don't see the point in him being at Spurs anymore. He's not going to be there beyond the end of the season. Spurs have to be analytical about this, and Daniel Levy will be. What are the best chances of actually finishing fourth? And I think getting someone in, which would completely lift the crowd in the stadium, will 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 give them much more chance than keeping Conte. In my personal opinion, I hear that before he was ill, he was very combative around the training ground. That's what he's like. You'd expect that. But he was a little bit almost disruptive, doing things that 
ended up upsetting too many people. Um, why did he not fill his bench for a home game? I mean, like at the end of the day, there's definitely players that are available to their Spurs manager from the academy, from the from the youth setup that he could have stuck on the bench for a bit of experience. Why would you not do that in a home game when you're in a, a massive Champions League match? You never know what is going to happen during the course of of that ninety minutes. Uh, Daniel Levy's made another bad decision here by appointing uh, Antonio Conte. He's the longest serving chairman in the Premier League, but he's a man who never appoints the right guy. I think he's been in charge for 22 years. He's maybe twice appointed the right manager. I think maybe it's time for a change there. And they've got a lot to sort out because not only has seemingly, from the quotes that we got from Richarlison, the manager lost at least one of the players, if not a few more. a few more than that. The sport... The sporting director, Fabio Paratici, is in court at the end of the month. His position is in the balance. Harry Kane's got 12 months left on his contract and is desperate to win silverware. I mean, you you, I, you know what Richarlison said after the game. I had two wins against West Ham and Chelsea and all of a sudden he benched me. I work every day and I want to play. I need more minutes. This season is sorry, but the word is... <laughs> you know, ultimately, that is not a ringing endorsement, is it? So what, what is Daniel Levy going to do? Because he's basically got to overhaul the whole club in the summer. Is he going to get the time and the space and the energy to do that? Well, listen, I don't think there's any prospect of Daniel Levy falling on his sword, but you're right to point out his poor record when it comes to appointing managers. I actually have a little bit of sympathy for Daniel Levy in this instance because I don't think too many people, when he hired Antonio Conte, would have had that down as a bad appointment. I was one of those, and I think you were a little bit, Sam, advocating that maybe he should go to... Manchester United, my word, they dodged a bullet there. Um, and he's backed him. He has spent money, Antonio Conte. He's not spent it very well. And I was one of the few people in the summer when everyone, everybody on TalkSport, including our own Jamie O'Hara, was saying, oh, Spurs have won the transfer window. I picked holes in a lot of those signings. And actually, how many of those new signings have made the kind of impact that you would expect? So, I- Well, it's two, two facets to what you're saying there. The first thing is, you think if you remember and you go back to listen to the podcast... I was telling you and Darren Lewis, who were massive advocates for Manchester United, uh, handing Antonio Conte a contract, saying that Manchester United, I told you, they did not want him because he was too combative Mm. and he would cause too many problems. And I think I got lectured by both of you about that (laughs) and was told that he is a winner. And I said, yep, he may well be. And I agreed with you. But I did tell you from inside the club, they didn't want him because he was disruptive. And what has happened again? What happened at Italy? What happened at Inter? What happened at Chelsea? It's a pattern of behaviour. This is what happens. Second thing is about transfers, right, Scott? If you're going to hire him, you basically have to get out your checkbook, say, it's blank, put on it what you want. Go and buy what you want. And they didn't do that. Well, he wants that. And, and I think that was the problem why he didn't. He sort of left Chelsea in the end. But... I, I've got to be honest with you, I've got to defend Crookie and, and, and a little bit Daniel Levy here as well, uh, although he's certainly not blameless. I agree with Crookie. I mean, look, when he first came in, Sam, and you, maybe you're right about the Man U angle, but where Spurs were, mid-table, to bring in Antonio Conte, I don't remember many people saying, what are they doing bringing him in? He, he's, he's going to be terrible. What happened last season? He turned it round, got it to fourth. And then it did look like, and okay, Crookie's saying, I mean, he's brilliant with, with hindsight, isn't it? You know, saying about these uh, signings. <laughs> I'm joking, Crookie, because I know you said it before I am as well. But, you know, money was spent. Look, 
I think Spurs fans are just so, and rightly so, must be so frustrating to be a Spurs fan, not having won a trophy since 2008, saw what happened in the FA Cup, saw what happened in the Champions League. He has to now get the right person. But I, who, who again, is that? hindsight's who, a wonderful who is thing. Who, who's the right person? Well, I, I, I personally, I wouldn't be unhappy, and I'm not a Spurs fan, but if I were one, I wouldn't be unhappy with Poch, but I would go for Luis Enrique. I think he's a proven winner. He, he knows how to deal with egos. I think he'd, and I don't think Daniel Levy is actually scared about dealing with people. I was kind of hoping that he was going to end up at Chelsea, Scott, I've got to be honest. I was kind of hoping he was going to end up at Chelsea. You've got a manager. Well, me, t- me too. But he's a, he's a top manager and that'd be the type of person I'd be going for. Look, hindsight again is a wonderful thing. When he first came in, I thought that's amazing for Spurs, not amazing for Conte. He got them fourth. But the time now, you what you know with Conte is, is two seasons and that's it. He's got to go. In my opinion, he should go now and then somehow bring someone in that can get Tottenham fourth. Because you're talking about transfer windows for next season. Yeah. Very important they do finish Because who fourth. wants to go to Tottenham right now, right? Not knowing who the sporting director is going to be. Not knowing if Harry Kane's going to be there. Not knowing if uh, who's going to be the manager. Who Who... This is when you start your negotiations to start thinking about recruiting people for the summer. People are already having those little behind-scenes combos about who might go where. Who's going to go to Spurs at this stage? And that's why Daniel Levy's got to be brave. The big question here, sorry, sorry, Crookie. Sorry, Crookie. I just want to say the big question here is who's going to want to stay, i.e. Harry Kane. That's going to turn everything around. That That's the big question. And I think there is a, a school of thought at Spurs that if Pochettino does come back, bearing in mind the relationship that he had with Harry Kane, first time round, that might help swing that decision in Spurs' favour. But Daniel Levy's got to be brave here because there is still time to save the season. Tottenham are still in contention for the top four. If Antonio Conte stays and they keep producing the kind of performances they have been, they won't make the Champions League. If they make a change, if they bring someone in who can give them a bit of spark between now and the end of the season, can get the players back on side because make no mistake about it, Richarlison isn't the only Spurs player who've, who've had enough of Conte. There's quite a few they could still make the top four. There's no point in limping on with Conte until his contract comes to a natural end because he isn't going to sign a new deal. They don't want him to sign a new deal. It's not going to be that expensive to get rid of him. The time to act is now. They've got no time to sit on their hands, Spurs. I, I heard that there was a, a point where he'd stopped giving out schedules to, to, to the group. He'd stopped uh, um, sort of giving them a clear plan of what they were doing in training. He would stop a session and take some players over from the under-23s and stuff like that when they had a game or something in the offing and ended up disrupting their session. It was all very sort of combative and unnecessarily sort of almost sort of disruptive. It was strange. Uh, and that was before the illness. Um, so he's gone away. Things have calmed down a little bit. He's come back again. And now um, they're out of the, the Champions League. Who would sign Harry Kane right now? Bearing in mind he's a, an excellent goal scorer, a wonderful goal scorer, but he is, you know, he's 30 years of age in the summer, Scott. Would you spend a hell of a lot of money getting him out of Spurs when they've only got 12 months left on, on his contract? Well, well, first of all, you, you know, the question is, will Danny Levy let him go? You know, to a point, Harry Kane, I'm hearing Harry Kane's in control. He's not while they've still got a year left, but Levy's got a decision to make. Does he, does he sell him or does he say, no, I'm not selling you to any sort of rival because he'd probably stay in England, but then you let him go on a free. Spurs can't afford to do that. So you take the money now, in my opinion. Who? Well, looking at the top, I think United scream out, don't they? I'm not sure they do. Would you take him at United? 
I'm torn on this. You know, obviously he's a great goal scorer, but I look at his performances and listen, he's still coming up with the goals. He's still coming up with assists. To me, he looks like a player, and maybe he's a victim of Conte's system, but he looks like a player whose best days are behind him. And I think you need to look at the longevity. And actually, it's been an area of criticism when Why? it comes to people like Casemiro and Varane. They're not the long-term answer. They provide you with a short-term uplift. They've done that. But I think if United truly want to build something, I would be in favour of, of a younger striker, somebody somebody like But isn't he Ossiman. like a, a Van Persie? Isn't he like a Van Persie? You could get him, he, he, you know, he might get you over the line for a year. You might end up winning the title and then you sort of keep building underneath him, right? Maybe. I, I think the needs of Manchester United are different now to what they were that season. Fergie just wanted to go out in a blaze of glory, win one last Premier League title and then leave leave it for somebody else to revamp the squad. I just have a suspicion United will, will sign somebody younger than, than Harry Kane. Also, we know that Daniel Levy is very stubborn, and I've been told frequently throughout the last few weeks and months that he doesn't want to sell Kane to a Premier League rival. He will only sanction a move abroad to a Bayern Munich if indeed you know, he sanctions that move at all. And I know he's not got that much power because Kane's contract is coming to an end. I, I just can't envisage Harry Kane in a Manchester United shirt for the start of next season. In some ways, it seems too good to be true, I guess. Uh, Leicester versus Chelsea's 3pm on Saturday. Whisper it quietly. Um, but uh, Chelsea fans had something to cheer about on Tuesday night, Scott. Not one, but two actual goals. Okay, so Raheem mm. tried to miss the one. And uh, Havertz actually did miss the other one. Uh, but then someone felt kind and gave me a second go. Um now the Graham Potter redemption tour rolls into the King Power. What happens here, do you reckon? For this game or just going forward with Graham Potter? Let's take it step by step, Scott, shall we? Um, okay. Well, with the game, I mean, first of all, you're looking at a Leicester side. You, you talk about pressure and, and, and I, I understand where Crookie's coming from with Bournemouth. There's probably the least amount of pressure on them, but that, that you throw Leicester into the mix, they're definitely in with a relegation. Oh, hold on. And, James, and James. James uh, Madison's just tweeting you about that. Um, <laughs> he's, he's not, they're not in a relegation battle. That was a strange thing to do for James Madison. Just, just keep your head down and concentrate on your football. Why are you trying to pick a fight on make, social media? What do you make of that? I mean, Rob Tennant's really well respected in Leicester, by the way, as well. Yeah, okay. So a lot of the Leicester fans will follow what Rob Tanner uh, writes. Um, he wrote a, a, a sort of four-point tweet suggesting that they are in a relegation battle because of these four reasons. And he explained them quite carefully. And um, James Madison sent a, a tweet back saying, rubbish, watch and analyse the game properly and stop writing headlines like that, which you know makes fans pile on with negativity. Play like that and we'll be absolutely fine. Created numerous brilliant chances and win comfortably on another day. He's talking about the Southampton game. They did lose to Southampton uh, last weekend. Scott, would you have got involved? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, I, I don't get involved in Twitter anyway. Um, and I, I certainly wouldn't be on Twitter if I was a player. And, and I speak to Rob and he's a really well-balanced guy. Um, I speak to him. I, I respect him. And I, I think he's absolutely spot on. Leicester are in a relegation battle. I, mean, I think you only have to look at the James, table to realise that, don't you? Absolutely. But what James Madison, you know, you obviously there's layers to this. And what James Madison's trying to do with in a very blunt and, and in my opinion, wrong way is to try and get the fans on side or not create an atmosphere where the fans almost before the game starts are nervous going into, you know, the, the, any particular game. You, a few misplaced passes or you go one nil down and because they've got relegation in their head. But he, he's gone the completely wrong 
way about it. Rob's absolutely spot on. If they're not careful, Leicester will go down. And if they are heading that way, will they think about making a change, Crook? I don't think so. Um, I think of the, the three managers that we mentioned or we're going to mention about going into this weekend being under pressure. I think he's probably the least under pressure, Brendan Rodgers, partly for financial reasons. It's going to cost an awful lot of money to get rid of him. I also think that the Leicester board believe that he is the right man to keep them up. I think that a lot of the fans have turned. You know, it was quite toxic at St Mary's at the weekend. And I'm not sure that his quote comparing... Leicester to a Mini and Chelsea to a Ferrari when he was asked to assess the direction of travel of the two clubs since the FA Cup final win has gone down particularly well either. But I think Leicester will stick with Brendan Rodgers. I think it's probably the right thing to do um, because I'm not sure it's necessarily his fault they're in this mess. £92 million losses for the last financial year. Clearly haven't been able to invest in the squad as he would have liked. He's got a lot of players there like Jamie Vardy who are coming to the end of the road. Some like Yannick Vestergaard, who simply aren't good enough. So I think he's been dealt a difficult hand, but I think he will ultimately keep them up. Um, Chelsea coming off their best performance this season, Scott, you reckon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought it was brilliant, wasn't I it? I liked it. I um, thought I thought Havertz played well. Not wonderful. I mean, someone said it yeah. was played was sensational. I thought the back heel that sets up the cross for the Sterling goal was great. Showed some ball to take the penalty. But, you know, there's yeah. still a little bit of work to do. They missed too many chances. No, but I, I thought, one, it was the Chelsea of old um, and, and what we've come to expect, certainly in Europe when they go deep into the competition. But two, I thought there were a lot of very good individual performances. I thought Kukadeya was very good. I thought Ben Chilwell was excellent. But I do think Kai Havertz was was man of the match for me yeah. because there's a lot of pressure. I still don't feel he's, he's, he's a number nine. You know, I, I respect him so much for stepping up and taking that second penalty. The pressure you can only half, you can't even imagine. Well, I, I do imagine it because I it felt it. I was watching it and I was panicking to hell. And Sam's rubbish <laughs> at taking penalties as well. I thought well, you were going to say you took a penalty. In the... No, I'm not rubbish at taking yeah. penalties. I just missed one when you bottled it and wouldn't take one on your own birthday weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so times that by a million. And to be fair to him, but I thought his general play was really good. And just going forwards... You know, I thought that the, the three um, forwards and also Kovacic in there makes a big, big difference. Yeah. And I think if you've got three good central defenders, you've got two wing backs that are natural wing backs, and you've got someone like Kovacic alongside Enzo Fernandez, and take your pick from who you go up front, it looks like Graham Potter's found a system. Yeah, well, that's important, isn't it? Uh, finding a team to sort of fit that system, I think, over the course of the next few weeks might help as well. And you never know, things might turn for him. But it's a precarious situation, it still is, and it's a precarious situation for Leicester City, who desperately need points. I wouldn't be too surprised if this ends up in a 1-1 draw and James Madison, after having that little outburst, ends up scoring from about 25 yards. I can just see it. Uh, It's written in the stars. Uh, Let's uh, switch focus to three teams desperate for a win, starting with Crystal Palace, whose manager's under pressure. They face the daunting task of taking on Manchester City. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Yeah, Palace uh, still without a win in 2023. Form has fallen off a cliff. In truth, they've had a tricky run of games and they do have Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, Everton, all in April, which will probably define their season but I'm hearing all's not well Crook what about you yeah same and I think the big question for for Patrick Vieira is can he get through this run of games they've got between now and the international break and make sure he's still in situ for those games in April that will define their season because they've got a huge week ahead and they Manchester City uh, this weekend in the Saturday tea time game then they go to Brighton uh, in midweek that'll be live on the Talk Sport Network and then it's Arsenal away from home next Sunday Brighton, the most winnable, arguably, of those three fixtures, but a trip to the Amex is not easy this season. It's not inconceivable that Palace lose all three games and you wonder how close they could be to the relegation places at the end of that run. I think if they do lose all three games, then Patrick Vieira is going to face a real fight to keep his job because I mentioned it before on this podcast and got a little bit dismissed. The Palace board weren't as excited uh, as some about what Patrick Vieira did last season, so they're certainly not going to be happy with what he's doing this season. (laughs) <laughs> certainly not, Scott, because uh, the it's not the worst in the league, but it's damn close in terms of scoring goals. 21 all season. The idea was for Patrick to bring a bit of joy back. Where's the joy at Selhurst Park now? Yeah, but what, what, what what's he been given? What money has he been given? What play? I think it was was it one signing in the summer. There's been a couple of youngsters that have come in. Well, since. well I stuck up for him last year when Crookie uh, was uh, telling us about the board not being particularly pleased with what he produced last campaign. I was like, what? I don't get that. How? He changed half of the squad round and played that. better football. It was much more entertaining to go to. Okay, this season hasn't been the case. How much investment has he had, really? But, you know, the other thing is, he's a nice bloke, Patrick. He is a nice geezer. <laughs> Look, he was an incredible player, and I'm sure he is a very nice bloke. Neither of those two things really matter when you're a manager of a Premier League No, you've got club. to win. So, so let's analyse... Yeah, but let's let's analyze it. What they what he did last season was was go to sort of mid table um, and and get to a FA Cup semi final, but also get bums on really, seats as well, Scott. Right? Played re- really good football this year. He's been a bit more pragmatic yeah. because the goals haven't really come in. He's not been given um, a lot of money to spend, and I think I'm right in saying they're still a point ahead than where they were at this. Yeah, stage but last, last season they had a. A, I mean, a big careful. buffer to the relegation places. They don't have that this season. Well, maybe not in terms of points. And and of course they need to start winning games. And they've got three horrible games coming up. 
and do well to get two points out of that. Um, but they've got a lot of teams below them. I, 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 I'd be really surprised, even if they lose the next three, to see him go. I think he'll be given the chance, um, what Cricky said about those important games in April. I think he should be given the chance. And I just think it's been a horrendous run of games that, uh, you know, I think any team down there... Would he makes some struggle. odd calls, though, doesn't he? You know, there, there, there are times when he leaves Elise out of the team, he leaves Eze out of the team, he starts players out of position. If you speak to Crystal Palace fans, they'll tell you that very rarely have Zaha, Elise, Eze and Edouard actually started together in their natural positions. You'd think if they are to stay in the Premier League, that is their front four, but he seems reluctant to do it. So he's never settled on a front or or a front three. He's never settled on that. The whole time that he's been there, it's always been rotation, rotation, rotation with those front players, mainly because some of them are are injury prone. Some of them get suspended quite a lot and others have real dips in form. So they're not the most consistent players. But if you're Crystal Palace and you have players like Eze and Elise at your disposal, you have to get them on the pitch and you have to get them in their rightful positions. But Elise was out for I, I a lot of last season. Yeah, and I, I love Eze. You know, when I watched him in the Championship, I thought he was absolutely superb and I think he's done really well and is a Premier League player. But he's not been great this season, Crookie, when he has played. So you can't, can't just keep on players playing players if they're not playing particularly well. He's got no answer for that, Scott. He's gone silent. He's had his point. He's read his text message from a Crystal Palace fan. He's got nothing else to give. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him with his phone out there. Don't you worry about that. Who was your message from? Can you tell us? I was. I was not. I was looking at something else. Yeah, sure. Right. Okay. Um, as for Manchester City, uh, more bad behaviour exposed this week. Uh, quite literally, in fact. He's um, an idiot. Carl Walker going to play at the He's weekend. He's an idiot, Carl Walker. Uh, how how many? How many misdemeanours have there been now that have blighted his career? You know, when when do you grow up? He's not. He's not nineteen, is he, Carl Walker? I, 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 I don't get it really. I mean, I, what I don't get is that it, all of this happened around about five o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Uh, but you know, some bender that. That is, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, listen. So everybody needs to let their their hair down. You just, but you can't let your hair. You can't let your trousers down, basically, can you? That's the <laughs> that's the key thing. Um, right, quick word on Leeds versus Brighton. Uh, Rodrigo back in training uh, for Leeds. Probably a bit too soon to feature, but they are desperate for him to return. Any news from Brighton this week? Got a text from a Brighton fan that you can read out? Uh, Levi Colwell, late fitness test for him. I think Tarek Lamptey is a doubt as well. But I mean, in contrast to Palace, it doesn't seem to matter who's absent for Brighton, who deserves be picks and in what position. They just keep winning games. And I fancy them to win this one. I, again, you're going to say no chance. But, you know, if, if there is a team that are going to put pressure on, on Liverpool for that fourth place, it might not be Newcastle, you know, it might be Brighton. You know, if they can win that game in hand against Crystal Palace in midweek, for me, they're right in the mix. And players now like Moises Caicedo, uh, rather than openly asking for a transfer, he's openly talking about the fact they can qualify for the Champions League. <laughs> you know, he did send a loving sort of Instagram message during January saying, I've always wanted to play for Arsenal. Please let me go. Uh, and now he's like, oh, I'll sign a new contract and I'll stay here. Um, uh, interesting, isn't it? Amazing what money does for you. Uh, Everton versus uh, Brentford. Uh, Everton's good home form under Dyche is, is, is the new catchphrase. It's stretching the statistic to breaking point, really. I think mean, they've played three games and he's won two of them. Uh, they take on uh, Brentford, 
who are 12 games unbeaten, two sides allergic to possession, but not big muscular centre-halves attacking set-pieces, Scott. If a goal doesn't come from a corner, I'll be furious in this game. <laughs> yeah, it might be one of those where no goal comes. Um, you know, Demira Gray top scorer in the Premier League with four. Everton, the joint lowest scorers in the Premier League. And, and yeah, you're right. I think that loss to Villa was a big one because I do think the home form will be very important. Everton are one of a number of teams. It's not just them who are shocking away from home. So the home form is going to be absolutely crucial. But Brentford, do you know what? I can see Brentford nicking this. I really can. You talk about the unbeaten run. They're, they're decent away from home at the moment as well. You know, the Ivan Tony situation doesn't seem to be affecting him. This is a difficult team to play. Yeah, I don't right believe now. in the Everton good home form statistic. Uh, I, I just, it, to me, it's just like, yeah, they had one good game against Arsenal on the first week of Sean Dice training. Since then, it hasn't been great. I've got to be honest with you. I mean, they they want to do. They who else did they beat at home? Leeds. They beat Leeds at home. Yeah, one 0 yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, apart from this is why Sam. I've I've said you know even after the Arsenal by game, Aston Villa at home, not out of it. They lost to yeah. Villa. Yeah. And, and after the Arsenal game, everyone's saying, oh, Dice is going to keep them up. I'm like, no, this is the bounce here. And this is going to be really... Everton are one of those sides where I genuinely... I've, I've said before, and I'm going to stick with it. I know that Cricky's wavering left, right and centre all the time, especially with his South Coast clubs. But, you know, Southampton and Bournemouth to go down. But Everton are in oh, real, they're so real danger. And I was the one giving the, all the big licks at the beginning of the season. Now they were going to be OK. But of course, since they sat, Frank, that, that now, now I've turned against them. Um, <laughs> not that I'm fickle I'm only joking um, I don't want them to go down Everton because I think it's a grand old club and it's, a, it's part of the history and the fabric of the Premier League but I think they will go down and they'll go down for this reason I look at West Ham if you look at West Ham's expected goals tally which is quite high and their actual goals tally which is quite low what they've done is is they've gone do you know what we create enough chances to score more goals than we are and we don't do it so there's this guy we're going to bring in called Danny Ings and he'll probably increase our goal output so that those two figures and the gap between them comes a little bit closer, right? Everton have got exactly the same problem. They've got a higher expected goals and a really low actual goals, which means they're missing big chances and they haven't got someone who is putting the ball in, in the net when they should do, right? The issue is they haven't gone out and got Danny Ings. They haven't got anyone. And ultimately, that there's no method, no way, no possibility that... Those two statistics are going to come closer together. That gap isn't going to be closed because there's no one there to do it. Because even when fit, Dominic Calvert-Lewin hasn't been scoring goals and he isn't ever fit. So they they ain't going to score enough goals to stay in the league. I just can't see No, it. I think you're probably right. I mean, in their defence, they, they did try and sign Danny Ings, but uh, he was not interested in going didn't. to Everton. That's not true. They didn't. They didn't try and sign Danny Ings. They told everyone they were signing Danny Ings. They told everyone they were signing Dan Juma. It never happened. It never happened because they haven't got the money. They couldn't even sign Andre Ayew. <laughs> this is this this is true. Although I think he rejected them, didn't he, um, to go to Forest? So, but 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 you're right. And, and actually, Scott calling me a flip flop when it comes to relegation. I think Sam will back this up. I've been quite steadfast all season. I think Everton. No one's I think Everton relegated, will go down. He says. He said no one's getting relegated. No one's getting relegated apart from Everton. He's he's basically said they're going to change the laws and <laughs> only one team are going to get relegated. Everyone else is getting out of it. Yeah. He's been pretty steadfast on that, it, Scott. What what I have noticed is 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 his geography of of southern England is now yeah. goes because it's south coast. He's now a Brighton correspondent. Yeah, yeah. As well, I've got know. listen. Wait, he will extend that as far as he can. Mate, Burnley will be on the south coast if he. I'm going to Arsenal's next <laughs> two home games. 
I bet you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He starts Southampton and Bournemouth are heading into the championship. All of a sudden, Arsenal are becoming his new favourite playground. He'll turn up at Chelsea quite a bit as well because that's the closest, closest club to him. Crystal Palace. He's changed since he got that new title, Sam. He's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Let's turn our attention to uh, Sunday and get stuck into some big games. Manchester United against Southampton. Um, that is Sunday afternoon, two o'clock. Reports surrounding the takeover uh, suggest this week that the Qataris are, are sort of thinking about walking away um, because the price isn't right. Well, we knew the price wasn't right because the price was ridiculous. It's six billion quid. And in the market that we're currently in um, and the way that financial markets are, it just doesn't seem like a particularly great idea. And as a result of it, it looks more likely that the Glazers won't sell. Who would have seen that come up? Absolutely, I think we've been uh, we've been casting doubt over the Glazers' true ambitions uh, for the last few weeks on this podcast. It was interesting that there was some minority um, investors in the crowd at Old Trafford last night. I think you know maybe that is the more likely scenario. Um, the Qataris, you know, as much yeah. as they they want to to own a football club, although this guy's dad maybe is not as enthusiastic as his son. They do see it as a business. Well, his dad said no. Yeah, yeah he right? said it's, it's it's a waste of time basically investing in football. But they do see it as a business venture, and therefore they're not going to pay over the odds, particularly when there's so much renovation work needed to be done on the stadium and on the training ground. So it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out. That the United fans ramped up their anti-Glazer protests on Thursday night. They're going to keep doing that. They did. But it falls on deaf ears, doesn't it? Because that's been happening for a decade, and they're still there. The Glazer family. And, yeah, but the Glazer's got thicker skin than ab- you. Absolutely. And they won't sell if they don't think they're going to make a, a tidy profit. So I think there's a long way to run on this year. And I think there's every chance what's, the Glazers could still be in situ come the start of the season. Crookie, what's a tidy profit? How much have they Well, they want for? six billion. <laughs> tidy, they'll, they'll, <laughs> yeah, they're, but they've spent, they only paid 700 million for it. That's if you include all the interest payments on the loans that they've had to pay back. Yeah. And by the way, they've taken all that out already. Yeah, and and they haven't spent anything. There's still 700 million worth of debt um, hanging over the club for any investor. So 6 billion is the price. You can take that into double figures if you look at the work that needs to be done on the, on the stadium and the training ground. It, it isn't going to happen. Nobody's going to pay that sort of money. And part of me thinks the Glazers know that and they knew that all along. That's why they were well happy when the share price went up 14% when they announced it. They'll get a couple of little uh, investors in to pay them a few extra quid to prop it up, to invest in the sort of lick of paint that they'll give Old Trafford, despite the fact they say that they're going to knock it down and start again. And then we'll be in the same boat in five years' time. It's a ploy. It's a ploy. Ruben Seles already uh, beaten Chelsea uh, away. Can he beat Manchester United away? I, I mean, from what I saw last night, I mean, there was a little wobble, actually, in the midpoint of the first half. They got in front really early, then conceded a goal out of nothing, really, a first chance for Real Betis. But then they just had a little bit of a, a panic up at the at the back, Scott, and then they went away half-time. Obviously, Ten Hart does his normal tactical tweak, and they're, they're on the right road again. Yeah, and I'd better be careful what I say about Southampton, don't I? Yeah. Um, you got away with that, it. by the way. You guys so got away with that because you weren't here on the Monday. This is the first time he's been back since. Couldn't, couldn't bring himself to show it, his face. It is not. It is. is it? Not. Oh yeah. No, Sam. Not. They're not going to. Southampton aren't going to beat Chelsea. What was the score again? I thought it was the perfect game for Chelsea. How wrong I was there. But 
And fair play to Ruben Sellers. What is it? Two wins out of three conceded. Lost to Grimsby in the FA Cup. Um, yep. But but yes, you know, so so you, you don't know what you're getting. That's the point. You don't know what you're getting with Southampton. Whereas, okay, Man U might be a little bit tired. Be interesting to see team selection, whether he does make changes because he didn't make any to prove a point. So you like, you to go, you lost 7 0, go and do something different. Yeah. But United are strong at home oh, at the moment. They're not strong at home. They're, they're impregnable. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go on a whim again, and I actually don't care this for, for this Uh-oh. one, what, what happens, but Manchester United will win this and, and pretty handsomely. Well, uh, Fernandez played really well, I thought, on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, well done for getting off that fence and giving us, putting your neck on the line there, Scott. Um, Fernandez played really well. I thought um, Fred was... Brilliant. He's so, so good when he plays in that system where he's sort of rushing around, harassing people further up the pitch. He gives the ball away every now and again, but he is an absolute tyro in the middle of the park. He's got such great energy and he shuts people down and causes problems as a result of that. He's getting so much further up as well. He's playing a lot higher up. This is his best scoring season of the campaign. He played a, a part on the Thursday night. Um, Southampton, yeah, I... I think they might rest a few, Sam. They've got Brentford at home on Wednesday. That'll be live on the TalkSport network as well. And I think Ruben Sellers will see that as a, a bigger opportunity to get three points. Right, OK. Um, and when they last uh, rested a few players, they lost to Harry the Haddock and his merry army. Um, so <laughs> let's be Sam, just on let's that, be careful. just on that, I, 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 don't, I don't get why managers do that. It's not as if, I mean, obviously you can, a player, key player can get injured. But then you're basically giving up a game, and I know it's I know it's Manchester United away, but Southampton are not in the position where they can of course just. Not. And give they've up already games. won a big game against Chelsea away from home. So why would they do exactly. that? That would be ridiculous. Mm. Let's um, see when the team Fulham comes against out. Arsenal. Well, let's see. Well, let's see. We're not, not doubting you, Crook. We're just criticising yeah, no. him for doing it before he's done it. But you've yeah. told us first because you're the chief football correspondent, and you've broken <laughs> the news. <laughs> Fulham against Arsenal. <laughs> the gunners of what? What are you laughing at? I don't understand. Look at that little cheeky face. What's the matter with you? You're right. <laughs> he has got a little cheeky face, doesn't he? Um, he's, you know, he's getting geared up for Cheltenham this week. He can't wait. Off to uh, off to the race course on Tuesday. Is it Tuesday again? Yeah, I did a little dance last night in the in the living room. Head butted a lampshade. That's how excited I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's, he's even shown us that dance. Yeah, as well, yeah, so. yeah. For those of you who can't see it, you're lucky. Um, <laughs> very. Fulham against Arsenal. The Gunners have passed some big tests in recent weeks, haven't they? But they've obviously got to bounce back from the Europa League campaign. How difficult is it going to be for them to juggle the two? You said earlier, Scott, that they can't possibly fight on two fronts. Does he need to make a decision on prioritising the Premier League now? I, th- I think he has, if you look at the team that he picked. Um, I mean, it was a sprinkle, obviously, of... of first team players but he also made some big changes as well and I, I think that's what he has to do he's never going to come out and say that yeah I'm going to prioritise the Premier League but he has to look it'd be great to win the, the the Europa League of course it would qualification for Champions League next season is already going to happen but imagine if Arsenal can win the Premier League for the first time in what 20 odd years or 20 imagine, years Crook. That is, imagine Crook what it would be like in your house if Arsenal won the Premier League you know what I don't, I don't mind it I mean listen the wife's the most annoying Arsenal fan in the world closely followed by her dad but I'd rather Arsenal than Manchester City <laughs> and uh, it'd be nice to see Aaron Ramsdale as a Premier League winner oh yeah well, I would be say, best mate he'll take me on a yeah, golf yeah, he's, mate. He's, he's fishing mate <laughs> 
What I would say though, Sam, is look, fair, you know, massive credit to Arsenal since they lost to City. I think they've they've won the most games of any team yeah, in the Premier League. It's, it's all four, absolutely. So again, they're they're constantly showing that they they have the character of champions, and this is another you know season definer. We said it about Villa. We're saying it about Bournemouth. We're saying it about. Fulham as well. My point is, I don't think there's one particular season definer, but there's a there's a, a number of difficult hurdles they've got to get over, and it's not just Fulham away who are playing really well this season. It, it's also the fact that they have travelled, and they you know there is a disruption in terms of sleeping patterns and stuff like that. So they've got to be able to deal with that. They they're still conceding goals, whoever the back four are, and they look vulnerable at set pieces. And this is something that Alexander Mitrovic will be licking his lips for. Yeah, Gabriel Jesus nearing a return after missing 12 Premier League games. Fulham actually probably overperforming in the season, but they were humbled on Monday night in the West London derby between them and Brentford. That's not the West London derby. It's a West London derby, I suppose. Um, can they make it into Europe, do you think, still? Um... I don't know. Listen, they, again, they show good character because there were times in that game on Monday, which was a great watch, where they were totally outplayed, but they still only ended up losing by a goal. Scott's mentioned Mitrovic. His goal-scoring form has fallen away a little bit. If you're asking me a Fulham better than Brighton and Brentford, I'd probably say no. So I think in terms of European qualification, they are the outsiders. But the fact they're sat here with 12 games to play on 39 points is a, is a huge achievement anyway. Scott, how are you going to feel if uh, Fulham and Brentford get into Europe and Chelsea don't? <laughs> All the Fulham and Brentford fans I know will be texting oh. me and I'll, I'll turn my phone off for a good few days. Listen, it's a great story for both, but I, I agree with Crookie. I, I think Fulham are a great side, having a great season. Um, but I just feel, even you asked me before the Fulham-Brent-Brighton game, who I fancied more to finish higher or, or finish in Europe, and I said Brighton. Fulham nicked that one. I mean, they were battered, but somehow nicked a 1-0 win there. I think Brighton are excellent. I really do. And I can see Fulham finishing 8th or ninth come the end of the season. I fancy, and I'm going to go big here, Chelsea to finish above Fulham Whoa. come the end of the season. Okay, well, listen, there's lots of things that could happen to me now in the end of the season. Uh, bearing in mind that the League Cup has already been won by Manchester United, and Manchester United likely to finish higher up the table. It could be that there is... Uh, you know, places coming further down the table for European competition. West Ham might win the Conference League. Uh, they went away to uh, the big wigs of Cyprus football, uh, Larnaca, and won by uh, two goals to nil with two goals from Mikel Antonio in midweek. And Danny Ings could become the first player this weekend to score for and against Aston Villa in the same Premier League season. That would be a quirk of fate. That's a it? great stat. That's a great stat. It's, uh, it's a far cry from those days when Andy Cole joined United and there was an agreement that he'd be sat in the stands when they played Newcastle. You can't get away with that anymore. I wouldn't put it past Danny Ings, you know, and he'll definitely celebrate as well. Can you imagine if he got a hat trick? <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, uh, Newcastle against Wolves is Sunday, 4.30. Oh, this is likely to be a goal fest. Um, one win in eight for Newcastle. They're desperately in need of a, a win at home against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, we mentioned that we think bearing in mind that uh, he's got a great uh, goals uh, per game uh, ratio. Uh, Isaac in for Wilson. Well, whether it happens or not is a different matter. Uh, Almiron needs to improve. And Wolves looking to make it three wins in a row after uh, what well, I suppose is a, a good, jo solid job done by uh, Yulin Lepetegui, Scott. 
I think he's done really well. And when he first came in, I thought, yeah, I, do not, I'm, I know Crookie was saying this as well, that he thinks that they'll be fine. And yeah, absolutely. I do think they'll be fine. I think one goal wins this. You know, I mean, Newcastle, they've lost the last three, all 2-0. So not only are they not scoring, but they are conceding, but they still have the best defence. But Wolves don't score. I think this is one of those games that's going to be really, really tight. Whoever gets to it, first goal wins it. Simple Talking of really but tight. I, I, would play, I would play Isak. Talking of really tight. How tight is it going to be that you're going to make kickoff tomorrow between Bournemouth and Liverpool? Because I understand that in this inclement weather, in the, I mean, if you're listening outside the UK, you might not know this. If you're listening inside the UK, it's all you've heard for about 48 hours. There has been a small smattering of snow. And in some places, the snow is really, really deep. It's not, not everywhere. Um, but Scott has decided in his infinite wisdom that uh, on his journey to Bournemouth, uh, from southeast <laughs> London, he is going to take a slight detour. So Friday's journey to Bournemouth is going to start in southeast London. Friday night's journey is going to end in Rotherham, and then he's going to turn around and come back to Bournemouth by nine thirty on Saturday morning. Likelihood of success, Scott. One hundred percent. Did you see Simon Peach going from what Manchester to Hull? on Thursday night, spent seven hours on the M62. He was he was still there as we were recording this podcast on Friday morning. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm worried about with Scott, right? Because he's going into that area where it is quite high ground. I mean, Rotherham is, you have to cross the high ground to get there, right? Okay, is that what, you just got to make sure you go the right way. Don't go up no, the M6 and try and go across. You ain't going to get there. You have to go no, up the no, M1 no, and come back it, down that way. It's M1. Don't go over the top of the Pennines. So if you do that, you're in serious, serious issues. Am I going to get diverted from Portsmouth to come to and be your summariser? <laughs> I'm sure we can no, find listen, somebody else. Listen, the, the reason why I'm going up there, and I was asked months and months ago, is because it's ten year, It's the 10-year anniversary of the New York Stadium for Rutherland. So they've asked me to host an what, event. What, they're not Millmore the anymore? Then they are Millmore. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, Scott. See you on uh, Saturday morning. Live game day starts at 11 o'clock. Bournemouth against Liverpool. Maybe. Um, uh, 12.30 kickoff for that one. 12.30 kickoff for Bristol City against Blackpool in the Championship, which is on TalkSport 2. Uh, game day live with Adrian Durham, Trevor Sinclair and Mickey Gray from 2.30 at the King Power Stadium. And from 3 o'clock, commentary on Tottenham against Nottingham Forest from the Premier League with Ian Danter and Alvin Martin. That's the weekend sorted. Uh, Scott will be back for the Sunday session on Sunday. Last one for me that I'm missing. I'll be back after that, Scott. Brilliant, don't worry man. about it. Um, and uh, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got Dancing on Ice final this weekend. Who's your money on, Crook? Who's your money on? You can't even remember who you were talking about. I know Joey about, Essex is still there, isn't he? He'll win, wouldn't he? Because he's, he's got the popularity vote. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. No, because he was in the bottom two last week. Why are we talking about this? Uh, we'll see you on Monday when we review all the weekend's footballing action. I promise you. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.